0: Welcome to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. Here's your host, the Bitcoin Boomer himself, Gary Leland. Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland, aka the Bitcoin Boomer. And they call me that because I'm a boomer. Why else? I'm an old guy. Get over it. Now, I want to tell you a little story or a little information about my trip to Paris. I just got back from Paris, as you may know if you watch the show on a regular basis. And one of the exciting things about Paris was the Euro. That's right, their money. You see, the last time I went to Paris, maybe seven years ago, when I wanted to buy something that was 100 Euros, it cost me $150. So it took $1.50 to equal one Euro. This trip, if I saw something that was 100 Euros, it cost me $100. So pretty much the euro and the U.S. dollar are pretty much even. Now, this week, the pound has dropped like crazy. The U.K. pounds, British sterling, whatever you call it. But the money in England has dropped like crazy. It is on par with the U.S. dollar, and it's the lowest it's ever been against the dollar. Now, this is what happens to money. It goes up and it fluctuates. Now, Bitcoin also goes up and fluctuates. Maybe it fluctuates more than a money that is controlled by a government because it's not manipulated. It actually goes with supply and demand. It does its own thing. There's no government or central body controlling Bitcoin. It's decentralized. So one Bitcoin may always be one Bitcoin, but against the dollar, the euro, and pound that have change. Now, it's down a little bit against the dollar right now, but as you can see here from what I just said, the dollar, everything is down against the dollar. But the people that lived in England, the people in Europe, they're pretty happy probably right now if uh, in the last month or two they put money in uh, Bitcoin. So I just wanted to give you a little food for thought there on Bitcoin. Now, let's get into the show. Today, we have Eric Wise. Now, Eric Wise is a friend of mine out of Miami, he controls the big fund. And that's his handle. And I think that's the name of his fund, but we're gonna find out more about that today. Eric has been into Bitcoin for a while. And one of the things I think Eric's known for in the Bitcoin community is he is the one that orange-pilled Michael Saylor. That's right. Bitcoin's biggest bull, Michael Saylor, was orange-pilled by Eric Weiss. So today we're going to talk with Eric, learn a little bit more about Eric, about his funds, about his orange-pilling Michael Saylor, and how he was orange-pilled. So please stick with us till after this break, and we'll talk to Eric Weiss. See you on the other side. And Welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I appreciate you sticking through that commercial to join us today. We've got a great show for you. As I said earlier, we're joined by Eric Weiss. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, Gary. Thanks for having me. How's it going on down there with the uh, hurricane and stuff going through Florida?
1: It's a little windy here in Miami. Fortunately, we're not getting a direct hit, but uh, it's a big one, and it's unbelievable. Those palm trees out there are, you know, as we speak, literally bent sideways, some of them, so it's windy.
0: I guess those trees uh, exist because they were able to adapt and bend, <laughs> and bend, and that's why you see those exactly. in so many those, tropical those climates. tropical climates, yep. Because you yep. don't see big uh, big live oaks down there. You know, those things break and pine trees for certain snap off. You know, I, went, exactly. I was there was a hurricane in my hometown of South Carolina. And after it went through maybe 20 years ago, all the pine trees were just broken in half, just snapped them off like toothpicks. So that's the thing. Yeah, about-
1: we're we're prepared for this stuff. We're, we're ready for it here. We get hurricane season every year. This year, it seems like it might be a little delayed. Usually it happens in the summer when a lot of people get out of town, but it looks like it's uh, just ramping up now.
0: Yeah, you know, I talked to a guy one time. I won't mention who he is, but you know him. And he had a lot of gold and silver before he got into Bitcoin. And he had, a hurricane came through, and he wouldn't leave his house because he couldn't take all his gold and silver with him because of the weight. <laughs> you know, and he didn't want to just leave it there in case his house all blew down except for the safe. You know, so. Um, when we get to Bitcoin, yeah. it's definitely a lot more uh, able to transport it than you can gold and silver. But tell us a little bit about yourself, Eric. Give everybody a short bio on who's Eric Wise.
1: Sure. Yeah, um, I started out in traditional finance. Um, my first job, I was a U.S. government bond trader, and then I went to Columbia Business School. And after that, uh, I did about a decade in technology, venture capital, and private equity, where um, I was investing primarily in uh, companies that were using the internet as a core component of their business model. And it was in that context that I discovered Bitcoin at a conference in Miami, uh, ironically, in 2013. And that was the first time you know, big light bulb went off for me at that moment because we were spending a lot of time looking at what the internet was good for. Um, And this was the first time that I'd seen the Internet being used to transmit value safely and securely. So I knew there was something big and important there. And after that, kind of bought some Bitcoin and stayed focused on it for, you know, for a while. And that hasn't changed.
0: And you're still focused on Bitcoin. So you got into it at a good time. How do you how do you react or i always like asking these i don't think i i don't think i've asked anyone this on air but i always ask people this whenever i'm talking to them if they're old term old-time bitcoiners i guess you could call yourself being in it from that point what do you or how do you respond when someone says wow you sure were lucky i mean because well, you hear that, I hear um, that a lot. And, and I'm always, yeah. and I want I don't want to go, well, I don't think was any luck to it. I mean, you know, I had to suffer from it going 20,000 to 3,500 and I stuck with it.
1: Right, well, um, most people have a similar story to mine, which is the Bitcoin that I bought in December of 2013. Um, I sold all of it in... Uh, the first quarter of 2014. Um, it was really volatile. Uh, at one point, I was up money. And then I was down a lot of money. And I sold it up some insignificant amount of money. Um, and to the, I've been kind of, uh, you know, stacking since then. And to this day, I still don't have as much Bitcoin as I had in in December of 2013. And that's a very common story. Um, I did Charlie Shrem's podcast. You don't get more OG than that. And he also had the same story. And it's just kind of this recurring thing that that I've heard from uh, a number of Bitcoiners over and over. So, you know, if you were really, really early, um, you were buying it more out of, kind of a uh, moral and ethical kind of excitement about what it represented and a hope of what it could be, and not such a pragmatic investment, because at that time, um, it didn't really warrant the pragmatic investment piece of it. So if you held through that, congratulations, you've got a lot of fortitude and strength. It's not easy to hold, as we know. Um so you know people will say you got lucky and i've tweeted about this before um especially in down markets like we're in now um people will say you got lucky but hodling is hard and you've earned it
0: (laughs) if you've still got it (laughs) hodling is real hard and especially uh sometimes it can be made even harder by your wife (laughs) <laughs> which, which, yeah, which is even yeah. the case now. Even the case now, as much as we're up, I still get reminded of a year ago. Yeah, you know, that is down from a year ago. You know, so right. and, and then I have to put it in retrospective, going, but we're way up. I, yeah,
1: I, I have those people in my life that remind me too. You know, my mom in particular. Uh, you know, will tell me because she did tell me to sell at sixty-five thousand and. Of course, I didn't, and I remind her that I also didn't sell at thirty five hundred, you know. And had I sold at thirty five hundred, I wouldn't have been there at sixty five thousand. And I have no doubt um, that we haven't seen the highs uh, for Bitcoin in U.S. dollar terms yet. The these these down cycles are, you know, always um, a little stressful and inconvenient for everyone, um, regardless of what people say. Uh, very few people are genuinely excited when these things turn down. Um, There are some out there who just have conviction who are excited to be able to buy more at these lower prices, but it's it's still challenging to do.
0: I I have to agree, I do like buying at the lower prices. It's a lot more fun to buy at 19,000 than it was at 60,000. I mean, if you're buying on a regular basis or dollar cost averaging or whatever you're doing, but it sure was a lot more exciting when it was 65,000 than it is when it was 19,000. Yeah. And, uh, I agree. and your, your whole frame of mind shifts um, because there's always that wondering, especially if you have a spouse like mine, okay, are we going down to 10 yeah. before we hit bottom? I have no doubt we're gonna hit bottom and then go back up higher than we ever were before, just from following the history of Bitcoin. But um, just the process, Can bring a little bit of pain, even though I do enjoy buying at these prices. I'll enjoy buying at ten thousand, and I'd enjoy buying more at thirty five hundred. But I I certainly don't want it to get to thirty five (laughs) hundred.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I think that some of us, and hopefully many of us, kind of go through this evolutionary process where, when you first buy Bitcoin, you think, uh, you think some version of well, I'm buying at this price. And if it gets to this price, I'm going to sell there or I'll sell some portion there or something and buy myself, you know, whatever thing it is that that you think you want. Um, and then as you kind of go up the, uh, you know, educational curve, with respect to Bitcoin, most of us reach a point where we have this epiphany that We're never selling our Bitcoin again. And once you kind of cross that threshold and you realize that you're never selling your Bitcoin again, it matters a lot less what that US dollar price is if you're not selling.
0: Yeah, I just went... Before the on the intro to the show, before you came on, I was talking about I was in Paris a couple weeks ago, and the, you know it's a great time to go to Europe. With the UK, I mean, with the euro down, I mean, you know, it was like it's almost a, a dollars a euro. But I would think that most of the people who have bought Bitcoin lately are pretty excited that they own Bitcoin because it hasn't dropped as much in the last few months, I guess, as the euro has or the pound.
1: Yeah, I would think so. It's performing uh really well against currencies other than the dollar. And it's performing well against the dollar if you look over the last four years or so.
0: Yes, and, and the dollar sure. we have to we have to say the dollar is at the highest it's, uh, that I've ever seen it on the DXY. So um, yeah, the
1: dollar is rocking
0: right now. Yeah, it is rocking. It's right. Everything's doing bad, including the dollar. It's just it's not doing near as bad as anything else. <laughs> Everything else is doing a lot right. worse. That's what I keep telling my wife. Yeah. Now we're going to take a break with uh, for our sponsor spot in a moment, and then we'll be right back after these words with Eric Weiss. Stay tuned. And welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland, and today we're joined by Eric Wise. Eric, again, thanks for joining me. Um, You know, we went into, I guess, just a moment ago, how you got orange-pilled. Now, you are known for orange-pilling maybe the biggest bull of all times, Michael Saylor. And and I'm not going to get into that a lot, but did that take a long time to orange-pill him, or was it like a... Like one conversation,
1: it a, <laughs> yes, it took a long time, um but more than time, it took a, a kind of a confluence of external events um you know for years, I would talk about Bitcoin um, you know to Michael, and he wasn't particularly interested in hearing about it, and he would change the subject to other topics that we speak about. And it was only during the pandemic when um, the government went crazy and started printing money and um, he was um, concerned about a business problem that he had of sitting on uh, a lot of cash that was being devalued um, by the money printing that he was receptive to hearing about it. So, you know, I guess for those looking to orange pill folks... um, the trick is to be kind of polite and consistent and keep espousing the, the benefits and, and good attributes of Bitcoin until uh, you know the person that you're trying to orange pill is ready to hear it because you're not gonna convince anyone uh, to take a serious look at Bitcoin until they're ready to look at it.
0: I, I agree with that 100%. You can talk to them until they're blue in the face, but if they're still thinking it's yep. made up internet money, you know, which my wife called it for years. They're not going to really give you much attention or put much, right, it's going to go in one ear and out the other. Now, one question I ask everybody, which I haven't asked you yet, is what is Bitcoin? According to Eric Weiss, what is Bitcoin?
1: What is Bitcoin? I would say that more than anything, Bitcoin right now is a life raft. We talked about how currencies around the world are being devalued, um, and how Bitcoin um, is actually devaluing the US dollar, although the dollar is having a surge right now. But Bitcoin is a life raft for billions of people around the world whose, uh, whose dreams are being taken away by their governments who are printing money and devaluing the product of their life's work. Um, And it can be very frustrating because there really aren't many alternatives. If you live in Venezuela or Turkey or Argentina or Iran, um, you're experiencing really high inflation. And it doesn't matter, contrary to what Warren Buffett says, how good you are at your profession, you could be the best Um, cardiothoracic surgeon in all of Venezuela. And if your money is being devalued at the rate that it is, um, you're being financially obliterated. So for those people who have access to Bitcoin, it is a life raft and a store of value for them, uh, even though um, it's kind of come down recently in dollar terms.
0: Well, Every time I hear someone talk about the Venezuela, it reminds me of the story about the lady going to get a cup of coffee with a wheelbarrow full of money. And she says, wheelbarrow just yeah. full of money. And the reporter goes, aren't you scared someone's gonna steal all that money? And she goes, no, I'm scared they're gonna steal my wheelbarrow, and then how am I gonna push this money around? And that's what you're talking about with the, the best surgeon that would be there. I mean, if that money has no value, it doesn't matter how much he's got. Or what he's making down there. He's going to
1: not have anything. It's a very real problem. And we're a little spoiled here in the US because it doesn't impact us as nearly as greatly. So we tend to be a little myopic and, um, you know, not not really be able to empathize with the problems of others. But these are real problems. These are real concerns. And the world is a big place. And there are considerably more people that have this problem than don't have this problem. If you want to be pragmatic from an investment point of view, um, it doesn't matter to Bitcoin whether the demand comes from uh, you know, the US or non-US countries. The demand is going to increase and it is going to be there. So uh, Bitcoin will do well, but you know, my kind of perspective is I'd like to see the people of the world do well. There are no shortage of stories about people who, you know, we're trying to live the American dream and and they're kind of being robbed of that opportunity because they can't retire because their savings can't get them through the rest of their life or their annuities can't get them through the rest of their life. And um, that's how inflation robs people.
0: Well, I always say that people, this is just something I, I say and I truly believe, people who are really into crypto in general, you know, all these coins, they're really worried about changing themselves, their financial situation. More so, if they're worried about changing the world, you're probably into Bitcoin. Because Bitcoin is an opportunity to change the world, not just your pocket. While it, would ch- can, while it will change your pocketbook at the same time, it will change the world, I believe, eventually. You have something on your site. Um, Bitcoin has greater upside potential than big tech and provides better inflation protection than gold. I read that this morning when I was, before we got on the show, I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty good, because um, it, it is yeah, a tech. That's my,
1: that's my, that's my, pin, that's my pin tweet. I, I pinned that some time ago. Um, yeah, I really think that's the case, right? You've got, uh, it's an interesting time uh, because of, of what that tweet says in that there's an element of Bitcoin that really is big tech And that's part of why we see it trading um, with risk assets and big tech equities today. And so that's the downside, right? Because we're in a very risk off cycle in equities where big tech is, is getting crushed and Bitcoin is suffering. But Bitcoin is also looking to be an emerging store of value. And everybody's looking for a crisp and clear definition at a specific moment in time and Uh, We just have to allow for the fact that that's not really possible right now. And the reason it's not possible is we have multiple things happening. We've got Bitcoin, um, which, as you know, kind of, you know, there's rules, but not rulers. And it is true digital scarcity. And unlike the US dollar or these currencies that we talked about, you can't just print a whole bunch more of it. So it will hold its value, um, you know, from an inflation perspective relative to other currencies. So I do believe that it will ultimately be uh, a digital gold or store of value. But in this kind of earlier stage here, cause we're still relatively young, uh, you know, with Bitcoin, we are, there is a big tech element and we are moving you know more in line with big tech ultimately that correlation will break i think because bitcoin is not a company it's not a technology company um so i think there'll be a divergence of that correlation but when that happens uh it's hard to say
0: well i think one of the things you mentioned earlier too was how most of the world uh financially their currency has really been devaluing. and the dollar is doing pretty good against them all. Is that because we are the world currency or because we're the petrodollar um, or both?
1: I think it's a little both. I think it's primarily because the dollar is the reserve currency of the world. I think the dollar will remain the reserve currency of the world. I think the proliferation of Bitcoin... Um, is actually constructive for the dollar being the reserve currency of the world. I I have this vision that ultimately uh, billions of people all over the world will have a um, non-custodial wallet on their phone. And on that wallet, they'll have Bitcoin kind of as a savings account to protect them uh, from inflation. And then they'll have um, the equivalent of a checking account on the, in that wallet as well, where they'll have digital dollars in some form that they can, um, you know, use to transact and, and engage in commerce.
0: Well. I can see that also. One thing about it, if the the United States ever decides to (laughs) get into Bitcoin, well, they can buy as much as they want since they just make that money up anyway, since they just made up money. They don't have to worry about mining it. They can just buy as much as they want, which almost sometimes you think would be a pretty good uh, thing to do just since they are just making up the money is buy as much as they could, could hold. Now, we'll be right back with Eric after these words, and we'll talk about that and more items in the Bitcoin world. And we're gonna talk about nodes, a node that he's bought. I find that interesting. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Today, I'm joined by Eric Weiss. Now, Eric, before we left, you stated you think that there'll be a day where we'll have wallets, a digital wallet, and then it would be our Bitcoin and our Fed coin, our U- U.S. Mm-hmm. digital dollars. Um, do you think that'll be like at that point, every bank will be providing these wallets? Or uh, or would that be a government-controlled wallet? or? Our private industry wallet, uh, any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think the wallets will be um, non-custodial private wallets um, where people have custody of their Bitcoin and digital dollars. Um, I think the bigger question is, where will the digital dollars come from? Uh, right now, it's being provided by private institutions, although the U.S. government has laid out some pretty, cl- pretty clear Uh, ground rules on how they'd like to see um, digital dollars and stable coins um, be issued and regulated. So, you know, we've got a system in the U.S. where uh, the banks um, issue dollars, and it seems like the government would like to keep them in the loop and for that process to continue Technologically, they're not there yet. So, uh, private business and you know things like um, USDT and Tether are kind of filling that void now. Um, but we'll see how things you know evolve in that space.
0: Now I know there's a, a company out of Houston that's raising money now to buy a bank. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, doesn't matter who they are, they're getting ready to buy a bank so they can hold not only dollars, but in this bank they'll hold Bitcoin also. Do you think that that's something we'll start seeing more of, or some of, or that'll ever happen even?
1: I, th- I think that uh, I think that the die is cast on that, and it's happening. Um, we just had an announcement in the last week or so that the NASDAQ is going to be custodying Bitcoin. Um, I think it was Bank of America about a year ago announced that they're going to do it. Fidelity does it. Um, all the big banks are allowing you to invest in funds that custody Bitcoin. So I think we're, we're pretty close to being there. Um, I think that banks holding bitcoin is, you know, kind of a, a foregone conclusion.
0: So so that that's going to happen. So if this Yeah. if this bank does it, they won't be the only bank for long even if they are the only bank. Is, are any banks doing that that you know of at this time? Custody, uh, custody? not sure.
1: I th- I know Bank of New York was was uh, was planning to, and I know Fidelity doesn't count as a bank per se, but you know my Bitcoin fund, we we custody our Bitcoin with Fidelity Digital Assets, which is part of the you know ten trillion dollar Fidelity. So, I mean, in my mind, we're kind of already there. Um, Companies like Charles Schwab and uh, BlackRock have said that they're getting into the space. They're going to be cussing Bitcoin for people. So, you know, in my mind, we're kind of already there.
0: Okay. Now, something I want to change to change the talk a little bit to something a little more fun. You have a node. (laughs) That's fun. Uh, This is is kind of fun. A node from Fractal Encrypt. There's only 10 of these, you told me. And uh, Eric, could you bring that up on the screen while uh, Eric talks about it?
1: Yeah, so this is a sculpture um, made by an artist uh, who goes by Fractal Encrypt. And you can see there um, on the sculpture, there's uh, all the equations that are in Bitcoin. Um, It's a very well thought out sculpture where there's those little empty holes there. Those are the halving cycles and they're dated as you go around. Um, it's a very thoughtful piece of art. The Merkle trees as well, uh, kind of visually depicted. It's made of all kinds of really cool woods and, and metals and materials. He's a, he's a true artist and, um, yeah, it's, uh, there's only 10 of them. Um, I, mine is number six. Michael has number five, um, and the artist has has become a friend. He's a hardcore Bitcoin maxi. He would not even accept uh, payment from anyone uh, in anything other than Bitcoin. So uh, I'm honored to have it. It comes with a really cool book, actually. Here I got here, and um, every node comes with its own book, which has like complete description of what everything in the node sculpture means, both front and back. And uh, here, maybe I'll show you another. And it's just, uh, so here's kind of an explanation page of what all the different uh, things on the sculpture are. And it, it's just one of those awesome pieces of art um, that there's always more to look at, always more to understand. And it can be set to a particular uh, block uh, or moment in time. And this particular one was done um, to commemorate the, uh, my first purchase of bitcoin um in december of 2013 and and the exact block um you know that that contained my purchases which ironically had 21 transactions in it which was pretty cool
0: well that is pretty cool so he when he makes it it's got you can say hey i want it set for this date and that's that's what basically does so now you tell me he only accepts bitcoin I mean he's a strong yep. maxi then. He won't take cash and buy Bitcoin. He wants nope. Bitcoin. If you're going to buy Bitcoin art, you're going to pay with Bitcoin.
1: Yeah, I didn't want to part with my Bitcoin um when I when I was buying it from him and I offered him more in dollars to take dollars than the Bitcoin. And uh, he just, with no hesitation, flat out refused. It's like, no, absolutely not.
0: Wow. <laughs> and and uh, these aren't yeah. cheap by any means. These aren't like $10 things on the wall. You told me that uh, one recently, maybe, was it number 10, had gone for $500,000?
1: Yeah, the last one sold for for quite a bit of money. I mean, we, we measure the price in Bitcoin. So uh, right. oh, yeah, that's I right. think it was something <laughs> like 16, 16, 17 Bitcoin or something at the time. So uh, yeah, they're they're pricey, but they're they're beautiful, and uh, they generate a lot of discussion. They're helpful in orange pilling, and uh, it's a nice reminder of of what we believe in.
0: Now he's also made a key that I saw, and I believe you told me there's 21 of those. Do you also have one of those keys?
1: I have one of the keys. They're pretty cool. Um, there's actually he he did two versions of the key. He's very thoughtful. So there's private keys of which there are 21 and there are public keys uh, that are not numbered, um, which he made a lot more of that was open to the public that anyone could buy. And they started out uh, fairly inexpensive.
0: I would imagine with his client list of past uh, customers, if he makes a limited edition, he probably sells it out pretty quickly to people who just collect his stuff. Yeah,
1: the, chal- the challenge is generating awareness and letting people know that, that the the art is available. So I, I recommend following him on Twitter. Uh, Fractal Encrypt is his handle. Um, yeah, check him out.
0: So does, uh, maybe I need to talk to him, see if I can get him to come out to Bitblock Boom, which I've never been able to get you to do.
1: it's we're still young it's it's august in texas but uh i know i'm I'm gonna try to get there and i appreciate the invitation
0: now i'm just giving you a hard time just be mean
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's okay it's effective
0: (laughs) it's effective so i guess i'll see you in la at pacific bitcoin that's put on by the people at swan that should be a good event you and i think michael both are going to be there
1: correct yeah we're going to go out and uh we, it's it you know for a while there travel wasn't so easy so so we weren't moving around too much but um, you know to the extent possible we're going to do a little bit more of that and uh, hopefully start spreading the word on Bitcoin in person.
0: And anyone who's not familiar with that, uh, go to PacificBitcoin.com. I'm sorry, Erica, I didn't give you that ahead of time. Um, But uh, check out PacificBitcoin.com, that's in November, and that should be a really great event coming up for sure. Now, you know, when I'm in your situation and I have to buy something with Bitcoin, I don't wanna spend my Bitcoin either. I mean, you know, I I kinda feel like it's being a crack addict, you know? If I do that first bit of crack, you know, maybe I'm going to want to do some yep. more. And then maybe I'm going to start doing crack all the time. So I never do crack and I feel like dipping into my wallet's the same way. Once I dip in there once and once I dip in there twice, then the third time it's a lot easier to dip in there. So I try I always buy Bitcoin when I have to spend it, right. just for spending purposes. But we'll be right back after these words from our sponsor, and we'll talk about uh, more stuff with Eric, more Bitcoin, and we'll talk about uh, his Bitcoin investment fund. We'll be right back after these words, and thanks for sticking with us. And tell your friends about us. Need more people watching the show. And welcome back talking to eric wise about bitcoin of course it's a bitcoin boomer show what else are we going to talk about get over it get used to it buy some bitcoin eric so yeah. that's i told you my approach to spending bitcoin is to buy new bitcoin so start doing that quit quit cashing in that bitcoin
1: <laughs> well what i do is um i've got kind of my investment stash of of bitcoin which i hold in my um bitcoin fund and then i've got um a couple of wallets of bitcoin that i use for kind of uh introducing people to to bitcoin and small expenditures that need to be done in bitcoin so for example i'll pay my barber in bitcoin or you know uh when I want to show someone how easy it is, maybe I'll send them a little Bitcoin, um, you know, via one of these other apps where I, where I keep, you know, a modest amount of Bitcoin. Um, so, you know, the challenge with that node sculpture was it was an amount that had to come out of the investment side of things and and not my little, you know, fun wallet. So, but yeah, I, I, I keep stacking when I have the cash, but I'm I'm pretty fully invested at this point.
0: Yeah, I'm about the same way. <laughs> pretty fully invested um tell us about the bitcoin investment fund um i know you do this but i don't personally know a lot about it so this is going to be telling me some information i don't know
1: sure so you know the goal was to make bitcoin accessible to high net worth individuals who want to have some exposure to it but may not be comfortable with, um, you know, kind of self custody and things of that nature. So, family offices, high net worth individuals, they're very traditional in how they make investments. So, um, they like to invest in funds. They get K 1s at the end of the year. They don't want to take custody of their own assets. They're comfortable when a custodian that they know and trust has custody of their assets. So I worked with Fidelity and Fidelity Digital Assets to set up my Bitcoin fund using um, them to purchase and store the Bitcoin. So basically what we do is um, you know, someone will invest in our fund um, and we'll take their money uh, in dollars and we'll buy Bitcoin with it and we'll hold it at Fidelity um, in a commingled fund and then uh, if and when they ever want to leave the fund, um, they have two options. They can, we can sell the Bitcoin and give them back US dollars. Or if they want and they're now comfortable uh, custodying their Bitcoin, we can verify their wallet address and uh, send them the Bitcoin. So I think we're the only Bitcoin fund out there that'll actually send you Bitcoin uh, upon redemption, which is pretty cool. And it's it's really more of kind of a, labor of love than it is a big money making thing for me um we charge one percent a year um kind of flat fee and out of that one percent um you know the fund eats all of the or i eat all of the costs associated with um the custody etc and and you know uh k-1s and audits and things of that nature
0: so this is for a high wealth individual who wants to get into bitcoin but they don't want to learn how to do a wallet how to to buy it over the counter or on coinbase and and they're
1: not and they're they're not necessarily comfortable with the new institutions right um even though coinbase is a publicly traded company it's not fidelity and they see the market cap of coinbase go from 100 billion to 10 billion in the matter of a couple months and they think ah maybe maybe I don't wanna have an account there. Um, The other nice thing about the fund structure is on those forms for the IRS in the United States where you have to disclose if you've engaged in a cryptocurrency transaction, by investing in the fund, you have not. You've invested in a fund. So you're not disclosing to the government that you have an investment in Bitcoin.
0: Speaking of that, why do you think they ask if you bought some Bitcoin? They don't ask if you bought anything else, do they? Or do they? And I just have been missing the boat.
1: No, I think it's just um, they're at a, the government is at a stage now where um, they're increasingly getting more comfortable with how they're going to regulate it and and what they're going to do about it. But the government's in the business of wanting to know where things are, and they're really just kind of uh, asking that because they want to know they want to know where the Bitcoin is. They want to be able to keep an eye on it, and that's kind of their way of saying, uh, "Tell us that you have it." you know, so we can keep an eye on you and it, in my opinion.
0: So do you, uh, and someone else fills out my taxes for me. I hate to say, and you know, I just pretty much sign what they say. So I'm not, it's not familiar with it. Does it ask you how much you have or just if you bought some? I just think
1: it, I think it just asks if you engaged in a cryptocurrency transaction this year.
0: Do you think before someday we may see it saying, okay, we know you got some now. This year we want to know how much Bitcoin do you have?
1: I don't know. I don't, I, don't think the, I don't think the government knows yet. Um, I think they're still figuring it out and I think it's going to be different for Bitcoin than it is other assets. Uh, it seems clear to me now that Bitcoin is going to be viewed as a commodity and it is increasingly more clear that the other digital assets will start to get viewed as securities. How regulation and enforcement of those things will go, um, you know, still remains uncertain. But that is, that is clearly the direction um, that we're going. We, we have two SEC chairmen in a row now um, who said that Bitcoin is a commodity. So I think we're on pretty good ground as a commodity and, and kind of a digital gold, which has all kinds of very positive implications for Bitcoin, in my opinion.
0: Which I think makes my wife feel a little happier. <laughs> The government saying that instead of where she used to be going, you're going to get in trouble for buying this, (laughs) you know. So things have changed on on her mind. Hey, Eric, where can people uh, follow you and keep up with you and find out more about you? We're getting to that point of the show where Uh, we're starting to wrap down here.
1: Yeah, Twitter's the best way. Um, My Twitter handle is uh, at Eric underscore Uh, big fund there it is on the screen so yeah that's that's the best way and uh i don't tweet as as often as uh michael does but i'm still pretty active on there and it's a it's a great vehicle for communication as well it's how you and i communicate most of the time
0: it's how i communicate with most people uh either that or telegram Um, when I have old boomer friends who who joke about how often they use their email, I kind of go, I don't even use my email if I can avoid it. Yeah. But it's funny how that technology yeah. has changed. So it makes sense that everything else technology-wise is gonna change. Because Bitcoin, I guess, really was the first protocol, internet protocol for money. You know, it's the, the protocol, I guess, that was missing, you know, from the internet. And-
1: uh, Yeah. Yeah, that was observed by uh, a number of people, a number of great economists, even way back when, who predicted that, um, like Milton Friedman, that um, not only um, is what the inner needs the ability for party A to transact with party B, but it becomes in- increasingly more powerful when party A doesn't have to know party B and you can have a trustless transaction. And that, that's what makes Bitcoin so incredibly powerful.
0: I think also that we can possibly, the fact that gold <laughs> is not doing worth the darn is because young people yep. don't care about gold, they're buying Bitcoin. And that money may have been going into gold before. Absolutely, So Bitcoin that's, is digital gold. Yeah, so it's, it's, that's it exactly, it's digital gold. It's, it's a way of saving money, but no one controls it. And like my friend, I told you about earlier, if the tar- <laughs> hurricane comes, you don't have to stay there because yep. you got to stay with your gold, and you can't put that much in That's your great. car. I mean, I don't know how much gold he had, but if he couldn't put it in his car because of the weight, I assume it was a lot. Eric, thanks for joining us. I do appreciate it very much.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Derek.
0: Yeah, look forward to seeing you soon.
1: See you soon.
0: Okay, and thank you everybody for joining us on this episode of the Bitcoin Boomer Show. We've had quite a show talk with Eric Wise. Eric is a smart guy and a good guy and someone I consider a friend. Now we're going to be right back after these words and we're going to do a wrap up here. We're going to talk about BitBlock Boom. That's a conference that I do in Austin and a few other local area events that we have going on that we want to make sure you know about. So stick with us until the very end. And as I said earlier, please share this show with your friends. Tell your friends, your neighbors, anyone you know who either has a desire to learn about Bitcoin or can be helped by learning about Bitcoin. That's all we wanna do is educate you about Bitcoin. I'm not trying to sell you any Bitcoin. I just wanna make sure that you know what Bitcoin is so when the day comes, you're prepared. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsor. And welcome back to the wrap-up. First, I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Eric. Talked about a lot of things, Bitcoin. It was interesting finding about those nodes. So, I mean, I found that really interesting. Make sure and check out, uh, what was that site? Fractal? Fractal Encrypt. Fact, fractal Encrypt. So be sure and check out that uh, on Twitter encrypt also want to make sure you know about bitblock boom bitblock boom is the bitcoin conference i host in austin texas this year or every year this will be our sixth year and tickets are on sale right now for bitblock boom so make sure and check that out go to bitblockboom.com Check out tickets today, they go up every month, so make sure and get yours early and don't wait till they get super expensive. Also, if you live in Dallas, Texas, check out our barbecue, our monthly barbecue, bitblockbarbecue.com. As you can tell, I'm onto the BitBlock stuff. But check out bitblockbarbecue.com. We host a barbecue meetup where we eat a lot of meat and talk a lot of Bitcoin at the end of every month here in Dallas, Texas. We have a new site we're telling you about today, BitBlockBTC, as BitBlockBTC.com. Now, we interviewed Paul from Azteco, uh, maybe four or five episodes ago, and this, Azteco allows you to sell Bitcoin vouchers. So if you have a friend that wants to buy some Bitcoin, you simply sell them Bitcoin vouchers through Azteco using a small handheld device that they offer and we have a network now, BTC that allows you to join the Azteco network through our company. Good for selling at meetups, wherever. And I also wanna make sure you know about one last thing, the book I helped write, Bitcoin and the American Dream. Great book. Um, If you're an old time Bitcoiner, you're probably gonna know most of the information. In this book, it takes about an hour and a half to read, but this is a great tool for helping people learn about Bitcoin. Like I said, it's about an hour and a half read, you can read it on a flight. So check out Bitcoin and the American Dream.com. Great book I wrote with six friends of mine. Now, thank you for joining us for today's show. We come on every week and our goal, as I said earlier, is not to sell you Bitcoin, even though now I guess we are helping people sell Bitcoin. Our goal is to educate you about Bitcoin. That's all we want to do. You know, maybe you won't become an expert at Bitcoin by watching these shows, but maybe you'll have enough information that you can carry on a conversation or you can have a desire, maybe it'll make you have a desire to learn more about Bitcoin. So please tune in with us next week for next week's episode. And until then, I'm Gary Leland. And remember to stack those sats. Have a good week, everybody. See you next time.